Amen. You can have a seat. Can we, just a second, can we just give it up for just all of this? Just the, you know, you see Jake up there too in the organ, you know, so just give it up. Yeah, I know. You you can't see him, but it took a lot of planning and, and all primarily seniors getting to, yeah, serve in this final way. This last time. Can you believe it? Last chapel of the semester. You guys have like a week-ish left. And I just want to let you know, you can do it. And maybe not, it may not feel like it, but you can do it. And this morning, as Aaron said, is kind of a senior sending and blessing. And so I'm, I'm preaching to everyone this morning, but there will be a few moments in times where I'm specifically talking to seniors or maybe those who are transferring or leaving as God is calling elsewhere, um, staff and faculty as well. So I start, and I just want to ask seniors, how's your four years at Dort been? How's, how's it been? Is, is, is it a little different than what you pictured as an 18-year-old freshman four or so years ago? Right, or, or has it been a little bit harder than you thought that it would be? Or has it felt like it has just taken so much longer than four years. Sometimes the days are long, but the years are short, however that goes. And and my my assumption is that the answer to those questions is some variation of yes. I'm sure no one anticipated that half of your college career would be disrupted in some form or fashion by COVID-19. If you did see that coming, I wish you would have let us know. That would have been helpful. Right? It's, it's been different than you imagine. But my hope is that it's been better. And I'm sure there are still many personal experiences that you're going through or that you went through that were different or harder or took longer. But my hope and prayer for you as seniors is that your time, your four years at Dort, has been far better than you imagine. Or maybe you're not a senior. My hope for you is that this semester or this year has been far better than you originally pictured or imagined in August or in January. And this is what the definition of the word better is. This is how it's defined, of a more excellent or effective type or quality. I hope that your semester, your year, your time here, no matter how long it has been, has been of a more excellent or effective type or quality. Because the reality of Joseph's dream, as we've been going through this semester, is that it was better than he originally imagined as a 17-year-old kid. And the reason for this is Joseph was willing for his dream to be different. He remained faithful when things got really hard and difficult in his life. And we've unpacked that this semester And the dream became a reality at God's appointed time, even though it took much longer than Joseph would have liked. Different, harder, longer, but better. And this is the paradigm of dreams and wants and desires for you and for me as well, that they're different that they're harder than we thought, that they take longer, but that they are far better. But how do we know if it's better? 
If we get to the end of the four years, if we get to the end of the semester, if we get to the end of whatever the end is right now for you, how do we know that it's better? The final chapter in the book of Genesis and the final scene in the life and story of Joseph lets us know how to tell if it's better. So let's finish the story. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Genesis chapter 50, the last page of that book. And we're going to be in verse 15. I'm going to read for us verses 15 to 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph, saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept. When they spoke to him, his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them. And spoke kindly to them. At this point in the story, Jacob has blessed his sons, as we heard last week, and now Jacob has died. And Joseph and his brothers traveled back to Canaan to take Jacob's body there, the place where God promised that he would go. And after doing this, they returned back to Egypt. And it's at this point that Joseph's brothers offer themselves as slaves to Joseph, and they make up a lie. They go to Joseph and say, hey, dad told us to tell you before he died to forgive us our sin. Forgive us the wrongs that we did against you. Forgive us for throwing you into the pit. Forgive us for all the pain and hurt that we caused you. And as they're saying this, Joseph begins to cry. He begins to weep. Because now they've been in Egypt for 17 years. And for 17 years, Joseph has showed kindness to his brothers that clearly displayed his forgiveness. But his brothers still think that he's going to seek revenge on them now that their father is dead. And Joseph responds with this question. He says, do not fear for am I in the place of God? If we look at the brother's response, it's based on their own fear and insecurity. Right? Of what they've done, not on Joseph's character. Because Joseph, again, like I just said, has blessed his brothers for 17 years in Egypt at this point. He's given them no reason to think that all of a sudden he's going to switch and now take revenge on them, yet his brothers are still afraid that he might do that. And I wonder how many of us in this room respond to God based on our own fear and insecurities rather than his character. We often take the posture of Joseph's brothers and fear that God's forgiveness and grace and mercy is limited, that it will run out. And so we work for it. 
We try to earn it. We build up our dreams with our own hands and we drive ourselves mad thinking God is disappointed in us or angry with us. And so we take control of our future. And just as Joseph weeps over his brother's fear and insecurity, God weeps over ours. He's grieved that we're living from a place of fear and insecurity rather than from a place of adoption as sons and daughters. And sometimes when I'm at this point, when, when I don't want to trust in the forgiveness or grace of God, I just, I begin to picture God saying this from Psalm 86. I am a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's who God is. That's his character. God's character is merciful. God's character is gracious. God is slow to get angry. And he's abounding and steady, consistent, always and forever love and faithfulness. Let's trust in God's character. In who he is and who he has called us rather than our fear and insecurity. And so in response to his brothers, Joseph actually doesn't forgive them in this text because he's already done that. He reassures them of his forgiveness, though. And if we look in verse 21, it says that Joseph comforted them and spoke kindly to them. And how different is this than if we were to look back in Genesis chapter 42 when it said Joseph spoke roughly to them and dealt harshly with them. Do you see the transformation that's taken place in Joseph's life? Earlier on, he was harsh and he wasn't sure what was going on and he probably wanted to take revenge. But God has so transformed his heart and gotten his heart that now he says, no, nah, I'm going to take care of your little ones. I am here and I will be here for you and I will keep blessing you. And he comforted them. And spoke kindly to them. Joseph has been transformed. God has his heart. And that's the goal of the dream. So how do we know if the dream is better? It's that God has your heart. That transformation has taken place. That you have become a person of love. Because you can do great good and climb whatever proverbial ladder you want to. But if you do not have love, if you are not transformed, if God doesn't have your heart, it does not matter. So seniors and all in this room, more than God cares about the job you get or your class's career outcome rate, more than God cares about the money you make or how quickly you pay off your student loans or whether you default on them or not. More than God cares about student engagement, the person you marry, the memories you've made at Dort. God cares more about having your heart. God cares more about who you've become these last four years or 20 years if you're retiring or two years if you're graduating. God cares more about who you become in this place at this time more than he cares about where you're going to next. The dream is better when God has your heart. So does God have your heart? Does God have more of your heart than he did four years ago? If so, the dream is better. 
Joseph continues to respond to his brothers. And the question that he asks for am I in the place of God, it shifts the attention from Joseph to God. And then he says this line, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. We've heard this text a lot. We sing about it. We talk about it. We try to find some theology of evil and suffering and pain from it. But here's what Joseph is not saying. Joseph is not saying that God planned evil in his life. I guess he could be, but in all in most likelihood, that's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is that God takes evil, God takes pain, God takes suffering, God takes heartache, God takes hurt, God takes fear, and turns it into good. Because here's the reality. Our evil, our sin, could destroy everything. But God overrules that. There is no sin or circumstance or failure or hardship or waiting that takes the place of God. Because Joseph's dream, your dream, and wants and desires do not depend on your perfection or your prowess, but they depend on the presence and providence of God. And here's the most amazing part of this whole story. Is that usually when people talk about God turning something bad or evil into good. They're talking about their own individual life, which is good, and we need to celebrate that. But it becomes about the individual. But Joseph's point in this text is a bolder one. Through something wrong done to Joseph, God did something good for other people. But God meant it for good, and listen to this, to bring about that many people should be saved should be kept alive as they are today. And so what we see is that God can take the most wicked of human acts and turn them into something good for other people, for all people. The ultimate example of this is Jesus. And so the Christian answer to evil and suffering and pain in the world, can I tell you, it's not formulaic and it's not philosophical. It's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. It's a man who was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The answer to evil is a cross. It's a wounded Savior, and it's by those wounds that we are healed. And so through something wrong to Jesus, God did something good for other people. For all people, at all times, in all places, for you and for me. So what makes a dream better? That it becomes about other people. That it becomes about all people. So here's another question. Have you become more about others than yourself over the last four years? Over the last two years, over the last semester, are your dreams and deepest desires and wants and longings more about what the world needs than what you want? Because if so, that's how you know the dream is better. And this is where the story of Joseph ends. I guess it ends with his death. We didn't read that part. 
But it ends with a dream that was different, that was harder, that took longer, but it was far better. And so Dort, seniors, staff, and faculty, keep dreaming. Dream. Never stop dreaming. And I don't know what your desires and wants and longings are. I don't know what those things are deep within you that God has put there. But I hope you're willing for them to look a little different. And I hope you remain faithful when things get hard, because they will get hard. And I hope that God's presence is tangible as they take longer than you want or thought. But more than any of that, I hope your dreams are far better than you could ever imagine. Because God has your heart. And your dreams about other people, about all people, 